It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to another Out of Spec podcast episode. You join me and my dad. These are my favorite episodes when we get to talk about cars. And specifically today we are talking about electric cars, sort of. Well, I guess we'll bring up the topic of electric cars. We're talking plug-in hybrids versus range extenders. And we're sort of bleeding the lines of this. Is it an electric car? Is it an electrified car? Maybe we can get your opinions on that term itself. Uh, or is it a, a combustion car with a bit of battery assistance? And I think what would be kind of cool, Dad, if you're open to this, I'm going to at least walk everyone through the the general high-level popular, I would say, electrification additives to a vehicle. Walk through all the list of possible ones to start. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of interested to hear your take on all these different permutations of when you say electric, what does that really mean? Right. And I think what, what should we even consider electric? But I think it all starts with, okay, we're all familiar with the raw combustion engine. That is a combustion engine with typically a transmission, whether it's CVT, uh, automatic transmission, manual transmission. There's a whole bunch of variations there, but basically powered completely by burning stuff. Then there's the next generation, which is mild hybrid and mild hybrid deserves its whole, a whole nother episode, because I think from a combustion standpoint, mild hybrid does so many things to assist where combustion downfalls. You get to recapture some energy under deceleration. You get to fill in torque gaps during gear changes. If it's done correctly, you get to build boost from the turbocharger electrically. I'm looking at you four cylinder AMG, really cool stuff. But then we start getting into the heavy electrified vehicles. These would be regular hybrid vehicles, which we're not going to discuss today. And then the next level deep would be a plug-in hybrid. This would be a combustion car with the addition and the ability to drive completely electric under certain situations. But then there's a step farther beyond that, which would be a range-extended EV, which is basically an electric vehicle 
with a combustion engine to extend its total charge. And then, of course, you have full battery electric. So that's sort of the gamut. Does that all make sense to you or is there anything you're not getting about that? No, it does. I think that the, the, the key distinction, though, of everything that you said, if you if you were to bifurcate, you've got two groups, one being internal combustion engine. And then everything else that you said, the common denominator is they all have batteries, right? Yep. However, the way with which those batteries are used to be able to propel the car are all very different. Yeah, and not only how they're used, it's how they're sized. So when we talk about the largest battery need, that's in battery electric. When we talk about it at range extended EV, it could still have a very large battery, but typically you wouldn't need that big of a battery pack. And then a plug-in hybrid typically has a relatively small battery pack for inner city usage in conjunction with a combustion engine for long distance trips. So this right. is the world we're talking in. And let's talk about plug-in hybrids to start because we'll do plenty of topics on this conversation. But high level, there is this split down the middle of a user base that thinks plug-in hybrid are the best of both worlds. You get to drive around the city fully electric every day, charging up at night. You can do all your daily errands. And then you have a combustion engine to take you out into the countryside to do long distance road trips, and you don't have to stop at charging stations. And then there's the other side of the equation, which is typically when you're driving on electric in a plug-in hybrid, it's really slow. Sometimes they can't even maintain highway speeds. If you want to drive electric all day, you have to stop at charging stations left and right. They typically have really slow onboard chargers, so you can never get that much juice in them. And then when you're using the combustion engine, it's typically a rattly four-cylinder engine that doesn't produce much power and it doesn't get that good of efficiency because you're hauling around all those dead batteries when you're cruising down the highway. So in your opinion, do you think PHEVs are the best of both worlds or the worst of both worlds, or does it depend on the exact car? Yeah. Um, hmm, that's interesting the way you've put it. I, I think on paper, when you explain a plug-in hybrid to someone who is, who's never had any kind of experience with an electric vehicle, and they've only they've only driven you know internal combustion engine cars. It makes a lot of sense from a use case standpoint to be able to get comfortable with that as a stepping stone into perhaps a full battery electric vehicle. And for that, I think we need to thank the class of vehicles, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, as a pathway to the ultimate. Um, to the ultimate goal, which in my opinion is small battery packs, quick charging, lots of infrastructure. Okay, I think that's the end state as to where we're, we should we should end up. Um, however, I think that the concept of trying to put everything into one car, one solution, you end up really with the worst of 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 both um, because you 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 don't have tremendously long range. Um, and if you're going to be driving, let's say, let's say you have a 20 mile one way commute and you can find it. Are there any plug in hybrid electric vehicles that have longer than 40 miles of pure EV range? So the longest range PHEV for sale in America is the Range Rover Sport PHEV it has a 34 kilowatt hour battery pack. It's huge. And I think it goes something like 50 or 60 miles on a charge. Okay, but that's big money too, right? I mean, yeah, this is going to be you know eighty, ninety, a hundred grand by the time you spec it the way you want it. Yeah, and I mean, like you know, 
So RAV4 Prime is the most reasonably priced, still not cheap plug-in hybrid EV. And I, and I looked at one of those, and, and I liked it a lot. The problem was when I was looking at them, the dealers were marking them up. But forget about economics for a moment. That That's a great example of, of taking a, a vehicle and modifying the, the power plant so that if you do have a small, let's say a shorter type range commute, um, that you can feel good about plugging in it at home to a level two or even a level one, quite frankly, if you got a short commute, um, and then driving purely on EV every single day. And then for those rare occurrences where you got to go further away or you got to, you know, let's say you got to go to the airport and you're 30 miles away from the airport, you're going to be gone for two weeks. You're not sure about phantom drain. You don't know what's going on. You don't even have to worry about it, right? So I think that has a a very viable sort of place in someone's brain that it makes sense to use that. However, I'm not really sure of the difference between a RAV4 with a regular gas engine and a RAV4, let's say the plug-in hybrid, the RAV4 Prime. But, you know, was it recently, I think I was I was doing a video with um, Mark Wright, who, who had a Honda Clarity. Now, is that's a plug-in hybrid if I'm not oh is was that a plug-in hybrid you can get them as a hybrid plug-in or battery electric okay so this was a plug-in hybrid and the thing about it was the way with what but the way with which that car operated was when the gas engine was on I think it was a range extender Kyle because when the gas engine was on that gas engine was revving like crazy. Right. And the, the final drive was only done with an electric motor, right. which is close to an e-rev. So we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that. But but the point was that the gas engine was from a power standpoint, um, it it didn't really it didn't really well, maybe that's a bad example, but the question is for a plug-in hybrid, does a gas in does the gas engine car really power a uh, Bailey's getting a little antsy. She's got an opinion here. Um, but does it, does the gas engine in a plug-in hybrid have enough get up and go? And does the battery component have any, either enough get up and go or range? And what I would say is for the examples that are out there, there doesn't really seem to be one. Right. There's very few that have really good electric performance. Most plug-in hybrids require a combination of electric and combustion to reach max performance. Right. Volvo very much heavily skews this way. Mercedes in Europe, we don't get Mercedes plug-in hybrids in the US right now, but BMW works this way as well, where they put a really small electric motor on there just to do the city driving stuff. Maybe it can do 70, 75 miles an hour down the highway. Um, and then ultimately, you're pretty much just out of juice at the end of it. Um, and it's not that fun experience. If you want to use the car for the specs that you paid for, you have to use electric and combustion in conjunction. And to me, it's a bit of a shame. And I think in general, there are exceptions to this. Um, RAV4 Prime being an exception. PHEVs in electric motor generally slow, have short range, have relatively long recharging times, um, especially considering you have to plug it in multiple times per day if you drive a lot. Um, and to me, it's a bit of a pain. But this concept of an extended range EV, which is taking a primarily battery electric vehicle, you and I have actually both owned examples of these, and then putting a small combustion engine on rather than the other way around, does allow for a full, better driving experience in electric mode every day. You typically get more electric driving range 
And then if you happen to run out of electricity, you can run on the gas engine. The gas engine can yeah. run at full power. Um, it just depends on how it's sized. If you I put think it what we did with the, the I-3, we drove it from, well, from, uh, from North Carolina to Colorado. Right. It's just like the I-3. The I-3 wrecks the Volt. The Honda Clarity is like a really small e-rev, although I would still consider that a PHEV, um, even though its final drive is the electric motor. Um, and and so like we haven't seen newer versions of the extended range EV. And I think for passenger vehicles, we're at the point where battery electric works. This yeah. is not an issue. You know, you you and I have been driving electric cars for a really long time. Yeah. But what about for pickup trucks? Towing sucks with an electric truck. There's no way That's around it. Yeah. I have to tow with my Rivian this week, the Lucid out to California. I bought another car. I have to throw it on the back and then tow it all the way back. So it's going to be over 2,000 miles of towing with an electric truck, which means I have to stop every 100 miles. <laughs> it's really going to suck. I'm glad I'm not going on that trip. I don't know. How, I don't care how good the stereo is in that in that Rivian. <laughs> right. But, but the thing is, if I had a little combustion engine, maybe a three or four cylinder in the back that only made, let's just say a hundred horsepower and it could run at full power, whatever its peak efficiency setting is between power and fuel consumption so that I'm getting the most use of the energy in there, um, you know, of it running wide open like a generator would. Then at that point, sure, I'm still burning fossil fuels. I get it. It's not the full battery electric dream. But at least then I'm using an electric truck that I can drive every other situation, battery electric. And then for the times where I need the extra juice, again, you're not running wide open throttle all day long. You just need an average use to match your output of your combustion engine. This would be the perfect use case for pickup trucks and medium and heavy duty. You know, I never I never thought about that, but that does make a lot of sense. Um, what, what I would what I would almost argue, though, Kyle is that this first wave, the early adopters of, of battery electric vehicle pickup truck owners, they're going to, every one of these manufacturers, they're going to sell everyone that they can make without the added complexity of adding an internal combustion engine to the mix. Okay. But what I would say is, is that peak, that demand starts to level off, the manufacturer should probably start thinking about having a version, as you just described, for the use case where it's either you're towing or you're cold, in the cold, or if you have to go out to a remote area where there just isn't infrastructure to get the electric charging. And I think that will, that will as, as the electric vehicle, as the electric um, pickup truck market starts to, let's say, level off, that, that option that you just brought up right there, I think will, will revive and deep and get into another buying set Another group of people who have to tow or, or in colder weather climates or have to go out into the remote wilderness. And that, that could be a really good way to, you know, to kickstart, let's say, wave two. But I don't, I don't think it's necessary for this first wave. I mean, look, you want to buy an F-150 electric uh, um, uh, Lightning today? How long are you going to wait for that thing? Yeah, but you you're thinking still- about it wrong too. You're also thinking about battery supply. With an extended range EV, you don't need to put such a big battery in the truck because that's there for the big long road trips. If you can put a battery half the size in, then you can build two trucks for the same amount of battery capacity. Yeah, okay. yeah. I know. But, but but also, isn't the goal to try and minimize the amount of carbon, let's say, you know, uh, burning, burning fossil fuels. Wouldn't that do it the same way 99% of the time? I mean, I don't know. 
that that might be someone's goal. That's not my goal. My goal is to have a seamless towing experience, not to reduce my CO2. Right, right, right. I, I No, I get that. Um, yeah. But think about it for another way too. So that I just brought up the truck, the medium duty. Zach and I talked about this when we did a podcast on electric camper vans. But I also want to focus on what's the difference between plug-in hybrid and extended range EVs. That's the topic really that we're diving into today. And ultimately, a plug-in hybrid is a vehicle that's primarily combustion with a bit of electric to get you around every day. Whereas a extended range EV is a primarily electric vehicle with a bit of combustion to help in the long distance stuff, to help in the heavy workload stuff, or just when you can't charge for whatever reason. Uh, and ultimately, I still think the vehicles should perform at their highest when you can charge the battery pack. Volt always had a degraded performance when you were out of battery, uh, when you were out of charge. And I think there's not enough extended range EVs on the market. Now, again, I think we're fine with battery electric, but charging stations are starting to get full. I was at one today and there was a full line. I unplugged someone, someone else can come in. Yeah. A lot of people don't I want to deal with this. In Stanford. I tweeted out about it. It's crazy. Yeah. So people don't want to deal with public charging. They don't want to deal with any of this. They just want to charge at home. That's easy. And then they don't want to have to think about it when they're out on the road. And to me, the extended range EV, forget the complication of the car, forget the CO2 stuff. That seems the best application for the end user for today's market for many people, not everyone, but for many people. Yeah, no, and I and I also think that 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 could be a uh, a stopgap for the fact that the infrastructure it, we're heading for a train wreck, right? We're seeing we're seeing glimpses of this, the the you know the previews to to the coming attractions of the movie, and the movie when we're gonna when we're gonna actually watch the movie. It's not going to be pretty. Um, there's, there's just, there's too many cars that are being sold right now. Not enough infrastructure. Totally but agree. How, but how quickly do you think the manufacturers can pivot to this vision that you have for for enough models? Like, I, I think it's a, it's a, isn't it a multi-year process? And don't they have to have the vision? Aren't the manufacturers now just going pure EV and like going away from these other things? A lot of them are, except for Stellantis. Uh, Stellantis and their trucks with the Ram brand seem to be taking this approach. And I think they're going to be doing, and, and none of this confirmed, this is just speculation. I think we're going to see an extended range EV Dodge Ram pickup truck or it's well, just going to be a Ram pickup. When you're late to the game, okay, in something that is fairly ubiquitous out there, I mean, if you think about it today, Silverado EV, um, you know, the Ford F-150 Lightning, the fact that they sort of haven't really brought out, at least from what I've heard, a full-blown EV pickup. Am I wrong? Well, Silverado's not out yet either. Well, no, but I mean, the, but it's, it's in the process of being built and it's been designed. And yeah, it's, but Solantis is right there in the process. They're just keeping quiet. Oh, you mean for a full EV? Full yeah, build. full EV and I think okay. an extended range. This is just my guess. I don't know this to be true. Okay. Well, Well, what I was going to say was that there is a place for it. I just, I'm just wondering if you and I were running one of the big three, or I don't, I don't even care what manufacturer it is, and we say, "Hey, good, you know, here it is, November, what November, October fifteenth today," and we've got this idea that this is the way to go. Why? Because the infrastructure. Come here, Bailey. Come here. The infrastructure in the states is just not ready for it yet. How long is that going to take to get to market? That's a two to three year build. 
design market. It's actually not. It's not that hard. They can take an existing economy car combustion engine. They just yeah. have to put an electric generator off of it, which they already have in some of their plug-in hybrid models, and they're done. I mean, it's not that hard to do this stuff. Okay. Well, that's good because the point I was going to make, Kyle, is that by the time you can bring something like that to market, is the infrastructure going to be enough there you know, to, to carry no, on? The, the infrastructure will be in its weakest point in two or three years from now. So that's when it's needed the most, in my opinion. So I think our audience understands the general difference. Yeah. Um, I really can like... Give me, can you give me two examples? One of a vehicle that everyone knows about today that's on the market and you can buy it today. That's a PHEV versus two, a uh, range extended. Yeah. So one PHEV that's on the market, I'll use one that I dealt with today, which is the Volvo XC60 recharge has about 40 to 45 miles of driving range battery electric. They upsized the uh, motor on the rear axle. It's a, the rear axle is powered completely by the electric motor and it's a pretty slick system. They did a really nice job. Volvo uses their plug-in hybrids not only as a way to drive the car battery electric, which it's still slow around town, but you can maintain highway speeds, but you really need to like leave room to merge onto the highway if you want to keep it in electric. Um, however, they, they also allow a whole bunch of other use cases in performance additive. So you can use the full combustion engine plus the electric motor as boost and then it also not only you can drive electric, but it can enhance the combustion engine. Now, That's is, that the most, call, is that what they call the T8? Right, T8, yes. But they okay. also have a, a T6 recharge in Europe. But in the U.S., we only get the T8s. Okay. Um, yep. And uh, older T8s were actually V8s. I mean, it gets pretty complicated. But I yes. remember you you reviewed the uh, wasn't it the XC90 T8 a while back? I've reviewed every T8 now. Yep. Okay, every T8. Yep. So okay, so I get that. Okay. What about the other the other class, the other the other uh, category? Well, I really think i3 did it properly because you could buy the i3 as a battery electric or as a range extender, and they had the same electric components, you know, a little bit of heat pump differences, things like that, but no difference in terms of range, in terms of power uh, between the range extended and the battery electric. The thing with the range extended, all it did was just add a little motorcycle or scooter motor in the back of the uh, – the back of the car yeah. um, still DC fast charge still did everything else. And that just kicked on when the battery was dead. Now the U S implementation specifically wasn't so great on that car compared to Europe, which they were able to turn on that combustion engine at any point below 70% state of charge. Um, and they got a larger fuel tank than the U S cars did. We were able to modify them. To yeah. We, we could code them. Right. So right. But ultimately it. it was still nerfed for the U S market. And a lot of that I think is actually why we don't see extended range EVs as much. And it's, I think mostly regulation driven. It's hard to get the full tax credit, especially if the gas component in the vehicle has more range than the electric component, um, based off of tank size. And there's a few other regulations that make it hard to classify extended range EVs in, you know, difference to plug-in hybrids. Yeah. I, I thought the difference was like the I3 back in the day qualified for the full 7,500, even though it had a little 600cc gas engine in it, because the only thing that was powering the wheels was the motor from the electric, uh, bat from the, from the batteries themselves. It was actually that plus 
when the cars got here, BMW didn't know this. They had to recode all the cars. And this is worth a whole nother episode. But they actually had to software limit the fuel tank size after the first batch arrived in the U.S. because they didn't meet regulation for an EV if it could go farther on fuel. Now, oh, I think that okay. has been so that changed. Was, that was why it was like a 2.4 gallon gas tank, but they had to kick it down to 1.9. Something like that. But yeah. then the thing is now plug-in hybrids qualify for the full $7,500 tax credit. I'm not sure about what the new tax status if the yeah. battery pack is big enough. So you can get a full $7,500 on the X545e, which is an awesome plug-in hybrid, um, and then you're good to go there. For me personally, I, and just to sum this up because we're reaching time, I really like the idea of a battery electric top priority. I don't want the extra complication if I don't need it. If I do need the extra complication, give me as much electric driving range, as much electric driving performance as possible, and then give me a little combustion engine that can just keep it topped up for some of the longer stretches or heavy duty work. Uh, or if I don't want to stop at a charging station and it's full or there's an issue or just as a backup plan. Yeah. And then plug-in hybrids really seem a bit like a compromise in general to me because I'm hauling around a lot of you know, a big combustion engine that's not so efficient. A, if I want to use electric most of the time, then I'm the guy who's like always plugging in at every charging station in a plug-in hybrid so I can do my daily errands. And when I do go on a long trip, I'm hauling around all those batteries that I'm not using anyway. So to me, it's not a very efficient use of all the resources in the car. That's we, my opinion. What do you do think? Any of the plug-in hybrids, I know we're coming up against time, but I, I don't I don't know this is generally um do any of them DC fast charge? Yes. Okay. All right. Some do. Look, I, I think in short, it feels everything you made, everything you said made sense, but it feels like we're going so back. Repeat that one more time. Just so our audience can hear that. Nothing you said makes sense. <laughs> I, in case you misunderstood me, Kyle. Um, but, but no, I, I get what you're saying. Logically you're, you're, you're in a very lawyer-esque way. You're making a nice case. But at the end of the day, I feel like we're going backwards. Backwards from what? From a combustion car? No, which is backwards what most people are driving. Backwards from the mindset that EV, pure EV, without any kind of combustion engine, is not achievable or attainable. But I think we're all under the impression that if everyone drove an electric car today, it would be a disaster. It wouldn't well, work. I know that, but I'm just saying, like, I think the mindset of of businesses and, and, and consumers right now are that it's, it's going to take a little bit of time. There's going to be some speed bumps, but, it, but I don't know. It just feels like for me, I'm not sure I'd want to go backwards when I already have an EV that works for me. Right. Well, you're driving a passenger vehicle that you charge at home for the most part, and you don't take very many long trips to the middle of nowhere. You're a use case where battery electric works. There's a lot of people who live in Wyoming, northern Colorado, Montana, north and south Dakota, Canada, Alaska, you know, places where there aren't infrastructure, such as many countries in Africa, South America, Western Russia, or Middle Russia. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, okay, there's a lot of other people that don't live in New York metro area that want to drive electric as much as possible, who may not have the infrastructure or want to deal with the infrastructure. Yeah. All right. I, look, I think you make a good case. Um I think it's a shame that the i3 didn't evolve. I think BMW made a, they had a great out of the gate jump start and they lost it. Uh, I like their recent efforts, but it's pure EV. And, and here's um, the big 
the, my request to BMW, not that they're watching this, they watch our other channels, I know. Um, rather than spending all that time with the X5 hydrogen, make an X5 range extended EV. Yeah. I was just about to say that. I didn't know they were doing a hydrogen one. Oh, yeah. They're making a hydrogen one because their plug-in hybrid X5 is actually really good. I love that car. Yeah. Uh, and and actually would consider buying one if we didn't have the e-tron. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. So I, I'm actually leaving this podcast a little more confused than when I joined it, <laughs> to be honest. But I think the spirit of what you're talking about, I kind of get it. I, I have to digest this. I have to think about this. And maybe we could talk about this again. Well, the podcast didn't go to plan because the whole plan was to explain the differences in technology. And then we would have another podcast where we debate about it. But of course, we're debating about it. Well, I'm not even sure I'm debating because I'm not sure I really understand what I'm, which side I'm on. So, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> you got to choose I, a side I don't know here. what I'm doing here, you know, but, um, <laughs> but I, I have enjoyed talking to you. It's nice. You, you sound like you know what you're talking about, you know, so uh, I get it. Um, I really like that Volvo, that T8. I think that thing makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, you're a plug-in hybrid fan. I think so. I think so. But you just said it was going backwards. I know, but, but you know, like, but you, then you make the case, what if I lived in Montana? I don't. I live in Canada. Right, wouldn't you want a Volvo that's primarily electric so you could do all your driving, you know, from home EV? If you have to drive 200 miles a day, you could do that electric. But then if you just had to drive back into, you know, the wet rest of the, the connected world, if you will, down to Colorado or New Mexico, wherever you're trying to go, then... Wouldn't it be nice to have a little gas engine just to till you get to a next charging station? In an effort to kill this podcast now, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much for watching another Out of Spec podcast episode. Sorry for the added confusion. We're still going to post it because that's what we do. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed this, Kyle. I learned a lot. I'm not sure what I learned, but I learned a lot. So, really? so I thank you. <laughs> All right. See you on the next one soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.